This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Brooke Ward, President and Chief Executive Officer of Washington Health System. Brooke, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, I appreciate it as well. It's nice to be with you and your listeners. Now, I'm really excited for our conversation. There's so much happening in the healthcare space today. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I've been at the Washington Health System since 2010, and I've been in my current role as CEO and president since 2019. I had the honor of taking this role about seven months before the pandemic, which made for my uh, first three years an exciting time. But before that, I worked as an executive at Bronson Healthcare Group in Kalamazoo, and going back before that, I was at Spectrum Health in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then early in my career, I worked as a firefighter in the Air Force. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. So throughout your career, I can imagine that time as a firefighter in the Air Force uh, really had an impact on how you approached your role and it potentially still is today. What have you learned throughout your career that has really been beneficial to make sure that you're able to be successful um, within this role as president and CEO? Well, I think, as you mentioned, going back to my time as a firefighter, one of the things I learned early in my career um, at that point was how to deal with stress, crisis, and just people in general in a situation when you wouldn't normally slow down and think carefully. And I think over my career, that not only led me into healthcare, but it helped me in my career sort of dealing with the fires that we all put out every day. And one of the nice things about being an executive in healthcare is, of course, you're playing not only the short-term game, what do we need to solve and handle today, but where do you want the organization to be long-term? And you track that back to my start in the Air Force as a firefighter. You learned a lot back then, some basic skills about dealing with organizations, with people, dealing with disasters, crisis, and emergencies, and all those things that paid off over time. Absolutely. That's great to hear. Just so interesting to think about how your experience at that time laid the foundation for everything else you've been able to do, especially in the healthcare space. Now, looking ahead, what are some of your top priorities for the rest of 2022? Well, for us, it always comes back to our mission, vision, and values. And our mission is pretty simple, to provide great patient care. We keep it simple like that to make sure that everybody across the organization can understand how their job applies to that and can impact it, whether you're a hands-on clinical role or not. And for us, providing great patient care is around, you know, providing quality. And our vision statement talks about being a leader in quality. And our board defines being a leader as being in the top decile. And our definition of quality not only is, did we get the right diagnosis and treatment right, but did we do it efficiently? And were we friendly while we took care of the patient? So our focus for the second half of this year is going to be around that quality piece. How do we get the right diagnosis and treatment, the efficiency and the friendliness part? How do we engage patients and do it in a way that really ratchets it up? And so we've rolled out this year what we're calling a patient safety score, the Washington Health System patient safety score. There are 16 indicators on there that roll up into an index for this patient safety score to get credit for any one of those 16 items, we have to be in the top decile. And so we made improvement over the last year and we're gonna focus on the second half of driving it up even better. In addition to that, we're participating in Pennsylvania in the CMS rural health model. And so that's all around taking care of the patients who are assigned to us, the attributed lives, providing great quality, great satisfaction and care and doing that in a cost-effective way. And so we want to make sure we leverage that program to the best of our abilities in the second half of this year as well. 
Absolutely. That's fascinating. You know, it's really great to, to see that there's been progress made and, um, you know, exciting to, to know that you'll continue to focus and develop on um, those spaces to create better outcomes and experiences for patients. And, you know, when you're looking at um, those initiatives, as well as more of the long term goals that you have for the health system, what roadblocks do you anticipate in the next two to three years and how are you preparing for them? So the roadblocks for us are going to be like every other healthcare organization across the nation and probably every other business in the entire country. And that's really around workforce. How do we have the right number and the right people, the right workforce to care for our patients in our community? And of course, that's going to be a challenge. And so we need to have the appropriate pay and benefits in place. We're never going to be the highest payer. There's always going to be someone who's willing to pay someone more, but we need to be competitive. So for us, though, then it's a focus on all the other things. Do we have the right culture? Is this a place where people want to work, where they feel engaged and satisfied? How do we engage our team members, both employed and unemployed, where it's an environment that they're comfortable in, they feel like they can bring up safety issues without repercussions, all of those kind of things. We're also focused as part of that culture around resiliency, burnout, those kind of things to make sure that we know that our people are working hard, they're dealing in a stressful environment, often unappreciated by the patients and community. So how do we make sure that they get the care they need to keep that stress and burnout down? In addition to that, we have a school of nursing, which we have had since the, our company was created in 1897. So for 125 years, we've run a school of nursing. We need to continue to maximize that. In our history of 125 years, we've never once had to use a traveling RN. And we still haven't in this period of time when most people have. Now, there's been pressures over the last, uh, you know, many months, the last six or eight months or so around nurses. And we have more nurse vacancies now than we've ever had at any one point in our company's history. But along with leveraging our school, we took a different strategy to try and get around that roadblock. Instead of going to a travel company and paying an exorbitant amount of money for those folks, which not only cost you a lot, but that causes some uh, cultural stress issues within your organization. You have people working side by side, some who are committed long-term to your organization, being paid less than someone who's there for 13 weeks and will be gone. You have these, in that scenario, people being paid less, training someone how to do and work within your system. We didn't want to go that route. So what we did instead is we came up with a program to incentivize our current nurses. If they were willing to pick up an extra shift, each week on top of their normal pay, there was a structure in place that if they did that over time, they could earn almost as much as if they left to go be a traveler. And that meant they get to stay here, stay home, keep their benefits and seniority, but they get the benefit of what's happening within the organization and our healthcare industry right now without having to leave us. Now, the disadvantage of that model, of course, is we're asking our people to work extra. Whereas if they left to go be a traveler somewhere else, they would work their 40 hours and leave each week. But we were, we're rewarding the people who are loyal to us and our culture remains intact. We don't have the stress of having strangers in our building, those kind of things. And so it's those kind of workforce issues that are going to be the roadblock we're dealing with now and we will be for the next two or three years. And then, of course, in addition to that, in spite of the workforce shortages, which is causing a backup in many hospitals around the country from a flow perspective, if you don't have enough nurses at the inpatient bed perspective, that backs up the e and all, ED and all those kind of things. How do, you, how do you, in this environment, maintain that high level of quality or even improve it? If we want to achieve our board's goal and get to the top decile, we need to make sure that we can do that with the workforce and the team members we have 
those are going to be the two roadblocks we're focused on over the next couple of years. There's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. That's fascinating. And I know that a lot of organizations are dealing with the same kind of challenges, especially when looking at staffing and trying to understand how they can create a culture that really is attractive to people in something in a place where they can retain great talent and those kinds of things, um, in addition to some of the other aspects you mentioned. So um, when you think about it, what do you see as being a really successful aspect of the culture that you've built there at Washington Health System? Why do people choose to stay? Well, you know, when I first came here a little over 12 years ago, people referred to the organization as a family. And, you know, I worked in some great organizations in the past, there's no doubt, but I didn't really think about the um, the workforce and the my teammates and my peers at the time as family, their acquaintances. Maybe, you know, sometimes you hear people refer to them as your work family, all that kind of stuff, but it didn't really feel like a family. You know, but after being here in six months, it became pretty clear to me that it is like a family here. And so the culture was always good here, and I think it's continued to be improved and, and, and cult, you know, cultivated in that way. So I think it's really around how we interact and treat each other, our, in, our internal expectations about how we behave. You know, when you go down the halls at our organization, and I'm sure this is true of many, you don't go down the hall without someone acknowledging you. And, and I've been to lots of hospitals, like many people have, where you can pass 100 people in the hall, they won't even look you in the eye, let alone acknowledge you. So there's something different around how we interact with each other, what we expect of our team members, and that breeds upon itself, which I think helps make the environment better for everyone, including our workforce team members. That's a really great point. Thank you so much for going through that with us, Brooke. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question. What are you most excited about right now? Well, what I'm most excited about right now is just our growth strategies. We're doing some things in CT surgery, orthopedics, and a few other service lines that I think are gonna help bring and keep services in our community that wouldn't have been here otherwise. And so as we work on expanding orthopedics, um, our cardiothoracic surgery program and a few others, you know, there's some new and exciting things we're doing that would have otherwise been inpatient procedures, otherwise been procedures we wouldn't have done locally at all. Someone would have had to leave the community again entirely. And so I think that's exciting. The other thing that I think personally is exciting is like most organizations in this environment, we're hiring people in at a faster rate than we ever have because most of the people leaving us leave for retirement. They're not leaving to go take a job somewhere else. But those people leaving, these baby boomers who are leaving our workforce, we're hiring new people in. And so we have this great opportunity with all these new team members to incorporate them into our culture. They may not know us at all. They may have never been in our building before. So there's a risk there, of course. We've had a long-term stable workforce who've helped us build this great culture. And with new people coming in, we can lose that. Or we can look at it the opposite way. We have the ability as this big group of people get hired and come in, how do we make sure that the, the great culture we have gets cultivated and spread to them as well so that they get the benefit of that for years and decades to come? And that sounds amazing. And thank you so much, Brooke, for being on the podcast today. This has been a really fun conversation and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Laura, I appreciate uh, you and Beckers for having me on. And for any of your listeners, feel free to get a hold of me if you want any follow-up on any material we've covered today. I'm happy to help any of my peers anywhere around the country.